Ring the bell, Mr. Scrooge. This is Movie Fighters, the show where Chris Sims and I, Matt Wilson, we watch movies and we beat them up. And we have been off for a while on strike. But the strikes are over. And the show can return for a Christmas episode that was promised last year. Because the movie we are doing this time around is from 2022. At the time we promised it, this was in theaters. It is now available to stream on Amazon Prime. The movie is Violent Night, starring David Harbour. I am... I'm... Look, I'm not happy that the strike went on as long as it did. Because the demands of uh, the unions were eminently reasonable. Indeed. And sh- like should have been in place already, and absolutely should have been placed as soon as they were asked for. However... The, the, the whole thing about somebody being able to get their face scanned, and then their face could be on AI people in perpetuity, was one of the wildest things I've ever heard in my life. Well, I mean, look, you can see why the studios wanted to do that after doing it in The Flash was so so successful. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is true. Everybody loved it when it happened in The Flash. And no one thought it was horrible and ghoulish. Everybody loved fucking George Reeves. Nobody thought it was both artistically and morally bankrupt, so you can see why they would be so desperate to do it. That's the, the, that's the thing, folks. The AI stuff's bad. It's, it's bad, bad art. It's bad writing. It's just bad. It's bad. I I want to stress this, Chris, because uh-huh. I feel like it got glossed over. There were a lot of cameos by a lot of people living and dead in the Flash, uh-huh. created by computer, maybe by AI, maybe by some kind of computer animation. Oh no, it was. It was. There's absolutely some AI stuff going on, but they included. Nicholas Cage, Christopher Reeve, I think Helen Slater. Helen Slater, yep. And most egregiously, George Reeves, the Superman from the 50s. Nobody watching that movie except people like you and me. Who didn't watch the movie. Who didn't watch the movie know who George Reeves is. But anyway, Chris, make your point about Uh, the strike. (laughs) Point, point being, I'm glad that we're back to do this episode, uh, Violent Night, because I was actually looking forward to seeing this movie. Uh, I thought this one would probably be pretty fun. We've actually kind of weirdly had okay luck with Christmas movies on Movie Fighters. Like, Santa's sleigh was way more entertaining than it should have been. That's true. Uh, and it, all, we've watched a lot of Christmas movies with wrestlers. Yes. And they've all been somewhat enjoyable yeah yeah uh, but i'm just i'm just glad that the strike ended prior to december but also after october so that we wouldn't have to watch morbius yeah that one's gotta we gotta and save we morbius promise that we did we gotta save morbius for 2024 i guess morbius is coming in 10 months everybody that's right so violent night that is the movie we are watching uh our friend our mutual friend benito sereno recommended that we watch violent night uh 
said it was a movie that we would enjoy. We'll see how that pans out uh, when we get into the episode. Uh, A little bit of info about the movie. Uh, In addition to David Harbour, who... Hey, Matt. uh Uh-huh. I I don't want to. I know you edit the show, and so I know you're kind of the like the de facto sound guy. You're hitting harbor really hard. Harbor, that's that's how it's spelled. I believe it's harbour. <laughs> harbour. Harbour. That's just how I always say his name. I don't know why. It's because it's got that extra U in it. It should be. It should be Abba. Abba. Because it's got that. It's got that U in it. Like they, right. say, like they write it in, in England. That's right. It's It should be. That was an English accent. <laughs> in case that wasn't clear. I guess I could also do it in a Canadian accent. David Arbor. David Arbor. Yeah. From Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> or we could, we could go Scouser. We could go David Arbor. D- anyway. D- David Harbour. <laughs> Anyway, uh, in addition to the star, David Harbour, who plays Santa Claus, uh, some other actors in this movie include John Leguizamo as the lead villain, Scrooge, who I did not know was the lead villain. I didn't know he was in it, and I got so excited. Talking about people I got excited to see in the movie, though. Edie Patterson is in this movie. Talking about Judy Jumpstone? Basically just playing Judy Gemstone. Her name her last name is Lightstone. Yes. And the little girl in this movie is named Trudy Lightstone. Yes. It's it this this is so close to just being an episode of Righteous Gemstones. <laughs> uh Beverly D'Angelo is in this. Uh a veteran of Christmas movies. Uh I guess just National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Um, yeah, but I mean, you check, check the residge. Definitely check the residge on that. I'm going uh, to say pound for pound, Beverly D'Angelo is best known for Christmas movies. Uh, she plays the matriarch of a very rich family. The Lightstone family? The Lightstone family. Um, I don't know any of the other actors in this by name. Uh, but everybody is pretty good. And and we'll go ahead and say, this is not one of the movies we're going to like stop and watch. We have already seen it. So mm-hmm. we're going to just talk a little bit here at the top, then stop, then talk about the movie. But we have already watched it. Um, I, got, I, I just want to say, Matt, you, you said it, and I want to just underline it for the people. Ever since John Wick... Is there anything better than not knowing that John Leguizamo is going to show up and then John Leguizamo shows up? It's true. I had the same reaction when I watched The Menu and John Leguizamo was in that. Yeah. I would say the only feeling better than that uh, is a little thing I like to call the Little Women 2019, which is when you don't know that Bob Odenkirk's going to be in a movie. Yeah. (laughs) And everybody in the theater goes, Bob Odenkirk at the same time. And then he says the title of the movie. I, I'll say this. I'm always delighted to be surprised by John Leguizamo. But if I know John Leguizamo was in the movie going in, all bets are off. Because I did not like him as violator parentheses clown. 
And what about Luigi? He's pretty good as Luigi, actually. That movie has gotten a critical reevaluation in pre- in recent years, as it should. But should it though? It should. I think it should. Mm, okay, you and I. You know what? January or I guess February and April. Compare and contrast Mario Brothers. That's how we're kicking off 2024 on Movie Fighters. All right, so we're doing both Super Mario Brothers movies. Both Super Mario Brothers movies. Already decided. Boom. Bang. Done. Being surprised by John Leguizamo is a million times better than knowing Chris Pratt's in it. Uh, Agreed. Agreed. 100% agreed. Uh, I knew John Leguizamo was in that Romeo and Juliet movie that he was in. Oh, yeah, he's good as hell in that. He's actually great in that movie, yeah. Yeah. but uh, delighted to see John Leguizamo recently in both this movie and uh, The Menu, where his performance in both movies, like, because he kind of plays a piece of shit in both movies. I, I would say not even kind of. <laughs> he does play, play, play a piece of shit in both movies, and it's, it's wonderful. The rest of the cast I'm not super familiar with. I think... They are mostly Canadian, because I'm fairly sure this movie was mostly shot in Canada. Um, the The director, however, Tommy Ricola, is Norwegian. And Chris, would you like to guess what other Movie Fighters movie he has also directed? Matt, I'll be honest with you. Could, Come over here to the sidebar for a second. All right, let's let's go to the sidebar, buddy. As soon as we finish with these recordings, uh-huh. the movies are gone from my mind. I understand. I could maybe name. We've been doing this since 2014. Mm-hmm. I could maybe name ten movies we've done. All right, I'll, I'll just give you the answer. I'll okay. just give you the answer. Please do. Uh, Tommy Ricola is also the director of Hansel and Gretel uh, Witch Hunters. Fully did not remember that we did that for this show. We did. We did. I, I believe you, Matt. This is, the, this is not the treachery of Matt Wilson. It's the treachery of memory. Yes. Uh, he also directed some pretty well-regarded Norwegian movies, including Dead Snow and The Trip. Uh, but... I think this is his second English language movie. So after this being Jeremy Renner's <laughs> Jeremy Renner's <laughs> Jeremy Renner's brothers Grimm's Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. That's right. Also yeah. with Jimma Jimma Arterton. Uh no, I d I'm I'm wrong. He he also had a Netflix movie called What Hot, What Happened to Monday that uh, I, I thought you were gonna say Wet Hot American Summer. That would be wild. And I was like, there is no way. That would be utterly wild. Uh but no, he this okay, this is his third English language movie. Uh the the second one I have never heard of at all though. Uh also of interest are the two screenwriters of this movie, Pat Casey and Josh Miller, who direct, who wrote, not directed, wrote another movie fighters film. Okay, Sonic the Hedgehog. I also didn't remember that we did that one, <laughs> nor do I remember anything that happened in that movie. 
Uh, I remember Except some stuff that we were pretty sure that Cyclops should have been a boy. And it was weird that Cyclops was a man and not a boy. He should have been a little boy, yeah. But if he was a little boy, he couldn't have driven a brand new, amazing, perfect, it handles so perfectly Toyota truck. Mm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's the main thing I remember from the Sonic the Hedgehog movie is how much Toyota truck product placement there was. It's um, it's weird because like from what I understand of Sonic, he pretty famously does not care for machines. That's true. Uh one of the producers of this movie is David Leach. You brought up John Wick, Chris. Mm. Uh David Leach co-directed the first John Wick movie uh, and has gone on to make quite a few action movies in the same vein. Since then, uh, his name being on this movie means you're going to get some bone crunching fight scenes and they are definitely in here. Uh, Like I did not know how R rated this movie was going to be. It's pretty R-rated. Uh, it's pretty R-rated specifically for violence. And and language, but yeah. But I mean, um, that is the name of the movie. That's true. Uh, but we're getting into stuff we know about the movie. So, Chris, unless you have any other preamble, unless you have any other uh, interesting tidbits or bits of trivia or anything like that. Not tidbits, but I will say, I, I did... I, I had a suspicion going into this movie, and I had the suspicion when this movie came out. Uh, and and I, I think everybody immediately clocked it, and even like the the marketing led you to believe that this was a, a you know to to put it in a kind of cheeky sort of way. What if Die Hard was a Christmas movie? <laughs> yes, or or. There's no argument that it's a Christmas yeah, yeah, movie. It's, it's Die Hard with Santa Claus. Yeah. So I I suspected that we were going to get like some homages to Die Hard, like some Die Hard stuff in it, uh, like little echoes of 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 Die Hard. I did not expect for it to verge onto like like Naked Gun style parody of Die Hard at certain points. <laughs> It also I actually enjoyed. It also nods pretty directly at some other famous Christmas movies, and we'll we'll get at those uh when we get into the movie after the break. One last thing before we go to our break. This movie was a big success, box office wise. Good for them. The budget is twenty million dollars. And I have to say, I was actually shocked by that. By that number. It's shockingly low. It, it is. Because this is a pretty good looking movie, all in all. And uh, it's, it's, it's well done. Uh, and it's got a budget of, you know, a tenth of most major blockbusters. I'm very curious to know, like, n- not in like a mean spirited way, but like, a lot of that just has to be for David Harbour and John Leguizamo, right? Like, as the only names in the movie. Uh, uh, 
I don't know. I, I don't know how big their paychecks would have been. Um, but I, I, I wonder, not knowing knowing virtually nothing about film after doing this podcast for nine years, like I, I wonder if they were like, well, it's a Christmas movie. They're going to show it on TV every year. Like it's going to like someone's going to watch it every year. It, so yeah. it's possible that, that it's possible that Harbor and Leguizamo took all their pay on the back end. Yeah. Which would have yeah. been smart because the box office take ended up being seventy six point six million domestic. Yeah, I Our, would not have guessed that the budget was that low. It, it it like the lighting's good, and I think yeah. that is the that's the tell that we've learned. Yes, but this movie actually, like you know, it looks good. It's very watchable. There are a few signs that. The budget was what it was, and we'll get to those after the break as well. I said seventy six point six million domestic. It was actually that's the worldwide box office, but because of that success, a sequel is already in the works. So this is the one where he's going to go kill Scott Calvin. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. We'll come back soon uh, with our full breakdown of violent night. If you want to watch along with us, uh, you can do it on Amazon prime. That is where the movie is streaming. But before we go to our break, we do have to do the hottest segment in all of podcasting. Chris, it's time for snack situation. Chris, what are you snacking on over there? Matt, it's Christmas time. It is. You know what you do at Christmas time. You make cookies. You make cookies. It's cookie making season. And AC has been uh, just lighting up the kitchen with cookies. Her latest experiment, first time she's ever made it, uh, she made a millionaire shortbread. Delicious. Delicious. Matt, have you made millionaire shortbread? Yes, I have. It's great. It's very, very good. Like, I thought about you because I know you like shortbread, and I know you like that shortbread when it's got that butter in it. I mean, that's what shortbread is. Yeah. (laughs) But you got to be able to taste that butter. You got to taste that butter, yeah. You got to taste that butter. You got to taste that butter. There you go. Uh, Yeah, Uh, shortbread, caramel, chocolate on top, sprinkles. Very festive, very, very delicious. Get a little Uh, sea salt on top of that? I don't know if she put the sea salt on it because she did the the sprinkles instead. I see. To make them a little bit more festive. But the the shortbread is deliciously salty. Mm-hmm. Uh, wonderful, wonderful, a, a, de- a delightful treat to watch this Santa movie that features many, many cookies in it. Yeah. Uh, Matt, what about you? Did you did you enjoy a festive holiday snack during your watching of a uh, of violent night? I did indeed. T- today, in fact, uh, my lovely wife Marlene went to uh, Trader Joe's. And uh, picked up a few things for our Christmas celebrations. And one of the things she told me that she was going to put in my stocking, but decided not to because she wanted some. And <laughs> that was, yeah. Please leave that in. <laughs> uh, but what they are, they're, they're a delicious treat. And also uh, to help me out to... Uh, lower my high triglycerides. <laughs> they are chocolate covered almonds. You got some. You got some. Uh, some high tries. That's right. High triglycerides. Hot tri- high triglycerides. Uh, 
but one way to to lower that number is to eat almonds. So why not make it a, a lovely sweet snack uh, and and get some chocolate covered almonds? So uh, that's what she did, and that's what I've been snacking on for the past couple of days. Nice. So I think those are both festive treats, uh, and we're going to have a festive talk when we come back and talk about Violent Night. Let's do it. Chris, we are back, and we are going to talk about Violent Night from 2022. This movie begins with a cold open in which Santa Claus is in a pub. David Arbor's in a pub. He's in Bristol. In Bristol, England. And uh, he's having a pint. <laughs> and he's... Uh, He's he's. I'm sorry, Matt, uh, I think the, I think the connection uh, drops. Can could you say what he's doing one more time? <laughs> he's having a point. Thank you. And uh, he's uh, drowning his sorrows. He says he's on a break from work because it is Christmas Eve. Yeah, a a mall Santa uh, walks in, which I like. Surely they have those in. In England, they have mall shopping center Father's Christmas. Yeah, they, they've got to have those. Uh, I'm sure they. But do. I always think of like mall Santas as being a very American thing, like you know, guys dressed up as Santa. So they have a little exchange, and I will say this, Matt. Right away, I was I was worried. Yeah, because this introduction of Santa, because folks, you're not going to believe it. David Harbor turns out to be the real Santa, just like. We all know he is, uh, and so there's a little dramatic irony in the scene of, of the 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 landlord at the pub da- down the pub. <laughs> We're gonna get yelled at the bar the bar woman, as I think she would be called. Uh, of her and the other Santa not knowing that this is the real Santa, obviously, uh, and then we get like a gross out scene at the end, but. The re- like I was immediately like in my defensive posture because if if you are a longtime listener or or reader of things that I've written, you'll know I take Santa Claus fairly seriously mm-hmm. in the same way that I take Batman and Superman very seriously, and in the same way that like there are certain things you can do that are automatically a bad story if Santa's in it, unless you are specifically doing like. Santa is a an immortal murderer being played by Bill Goldberg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, like if your premise is that this is the real Santa Claus, there are certain things you can do. And one of the things that that I was I was a little bit leery about starting off was not just that Santa is like getting drunk and complaining on Christmas Eve, but that he specifically complains about kids. Like he he says something about you know the ki- kids are too materialistic these days. All they care about is presents. Uh, you know, th- you give them a present, they're only happy for a little bit until they want the next thing. And it's like, regardless of what else you have him do, Santa's gotta like kids. 
Like that's the that's the one thing that you gotta give him. He's the patron saint of children. So I was immediately like off put. And I will say this movie, the movie after this opening scene, which I feel like has got to be either like a late addition to the script or the very first thing that was written. Cause it's kind of tonally at odds with the rest of the movie in, in certain ways. They do a really good job of having a Santa who as fed up as he is with everything else does love kids. And does want to protect kids. And and that does come through at a certain point. I don't think yeah. it's ever really explained why he's such a fucking grump. Other than that he's John McClane. Well, I, I, there's a few things going on in this scene. And while I agree that in some ways it, I think you could read it as totally at odds with the rest of the movie... I think it lines up with some things that they want to accomplish as far as giving Santa a character arc in this movie. Because the Santa who is presented in this scene is cynical. Yeah. He not only is angry at kids, when he goes out on the roof, he's like yelling at the reindeer, right? He's kind of like, given the the reindeer the business for being like lazy or or you know doing things that he doesn't want them to do and later in the movie he yells at the reindeer again but then like quickly forgives them and says like oh i can't stay mad at you mm-hmm. i think is an indicator of probably his feelings about kids as well like he complains about them and he f- sees things like oh, they're never satisfied with what they get. They immediately want the next thing. Um, he says he, he says something to the effect of, this might be my last year. Because mm-hmm. he, he seems like he's ready to quit. Like he's he doesn't... Retirement. Yeah. He doesn't see the good he's doing anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, he, he, does, he feels like he's not doing the good that he used to. And also, he he says a line that I love, which is, this whole planet runs on greed. Which uh, is true. Which is true, yeah. I, I feel like if they would have emphasized his weariness with the world at large, and not, like, specifically with kids and animals, <laughs> the, two, the two most obvious shorthands for bad person. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I think it would have been, it would have worked a little bit better. I, I think the movie tri- the movie tries to kind of write that away later, where like he grouses and complains at the reindeer and at kids, but he can't hide his actual deep down love for them both. Yeah, um, but, like the, the scene we get with the reindeer at the end is actually like one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Yeah. Um, and I also, I wrote down drunk Santa and puke and Santa in regards to that scene, because he gets drunk. And then the very last thing you said, it, the gross out thing, he pukes on the bar woman who doesn't know, who doesn't understand how he knows her grandson's name, because yeah. as he's leaving the, the pub, he gives her a present for her grandson. Yeah. Which I think is the like first indication of like, Okay, he is Santa. He he does do this thing. He kind of seems like he's doing it begrudgingly, 
in a lot of ways, but he is like, he, you know, reaches in his bag and pulls out a present and goes, hey, here's that, uh, it's a video game that her grandson wants. He's like, hey, here's that video game your grandson wants. Atomic Blaster, Blast Atomic, I don't know. And and a running gag throughout the movie from that point on is that, like, two-thirds of the presents in his bag are video games. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that that's our setup for Santa. And again, I, it had me until we get Santa interacting with Trudy in the scenes where I, I mean, look, I think it is apparent that there are things David Harbor is good at and things that David Harbor is maybe not so good at, or hasn't had the chance to show us that he's good at in films and interacting with children does seem to be on his list of skills. Yes. Uh, um, even though like uh, in the, most recent season of Stranger Things, Hopper was like a asshole to Eleven for no reason, but or the second season, I guess. So, after that little cold open, we get uh, about 15 to 20 minutes of cross-cutting between Santa continuing to make deliveries on Christmas Eve. Like, he goes to houses, he takes people's beer instead of, I mean, he eats their cookies too, but like if they have beer sitting out, he like takes their beer and drinks it. He, he, he drinks the, the milk and he's like, skim, which actually is a, that's a joke from the Santa Claus. Yes. I thought it was going to be a joke about it being like almond milk or something, but no, yeah. he just says skim. Uh, Maybe that's the joke from the Santa Claus. No, no, the Santa Claus is it's definitely skim too because that was like 1994. Like I thought the updated 2022 version of that joke would be almond milk, you know, but it wasn't. The only bit from that whole sequence that I wrote down was that as Santa is flying over DC, he he pisses. Mm-hmm. And that really showed him in Congress. Yeah, th- those clowns. <laughs> oh, he got him. Santa got him. Anyway, what's happening while we get that kind of montage of Santa continuing to make his deliveries is we meet the Lightstone family. And the first person we meet is the the son, the adult son of the family, uh, whose name is Jason, Jason Lightstone, who has recently separated from his wife and they have a daughter together. And that daughter is Trudy. Uh, the, his wife is named, is named Linda. Um, so the, they meet up in Linda's car. Trudy's in the back seat and they're all going to drive to Christmas at the Lightstone family house together yeah because the lightstones are insanely rich yes like i is it ever did i miss it when they established like why like where they got their money because they are like stupid rich it's it's i don't think it's ever stated but i think it's implied that they're in some kind of industry like arms dealing or yeah because they have like it is mentioned that they have like a private security team that's like a PMC. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's not just mentioned. They they are later characters in the. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 established. I guess I mean, like that <laughs> yeah. these are their guys who are their fucking strike force. Uh, I mean, I guess they could be like, you know, they could own a version of like Purdue Pharma or something like that. But I I feel like the implication is that they're in like military contracting or something. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't sure if there was a like specific thing that they were said like that this is where they got their money uh or and if i just missed it but yeah like i mean it doesn't ultimately it doesn't matter they're rich and so you can assume it's blood money uh definitely yeah 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 so they drive to the house together there's there's a clear dynamic of trudy wants her parents to get back together jason is interested in making this christmas go well because it seems like he wants to get back together with linda but linda doesn't seem to want that at this point yeah uh partially because it's revealed later that jason is too involved in his family business and stuff with his mom and she doesn't like that yeah uh and this is our like if if you're keeping score at home this will be the source of our uh, miracle on 34th street uh, homage. Yes. Uh, Santa can get that girl a, a dad and a mom and a right. house. <laughs> so they pull up to the gate at the Lightstone family compound and they talk to the guy at the gate, the gatekeeper, and his name is Al. And they ask Al, hey, did Al, did you get what you wanted for Christmas? And Al's like, I wanted to not work on Christmas Eve. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for Al, uh, and I'll feel worse for him soon. But uh, I, uh, I wrote yeah. down Al is being exploited. Al, a hundred percent named after Al Powell, right? Oh man, He's calling him Argyle would have made it too obvious. He's he's absolutely named after Al Powell. You are so right. Yeah. So they get to the house. Um, they meet up with Jason's sister, whose uh, name is Alva, and is, that's Edie Patterson. That is just Judy Gemstone. She, she's not doing the Southern accent because they're in Connecticut. This is Greenwich, she's, Connecticut. She's also not not doing a Southern accent. <laughs> she, she's just talking like Edie Patterson talks. She's not putting it on quite as hard. Um, and we meet her, and and yeah, she is fully just like Judy Gemstone. She, she's clearly like trying to get in her mom's good graces so that she can become the next head of the company. She's talking to Jason about like, I think mom's going to retire and name the new head of the company next year. And it's going to be me. I feel like the casting process for her was literally, you know, we need like an Edie Patterson type. (laughs) And then it, you know, she was free. Yeah. Uh, We meet her boyfriend who is uh his name's Morgan Steele. He's an actor and uh according to IMDb he, he's uh, Matt, can I say it? Yeah. He's Mark Wahlberg. He's Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> because he literally I mean he doesn't commit a hate crime like Mark Wahlberg did, look it up. Um but he he does the thing where he's like I'm just saying if I was on those planes on 9/11 would went down a little differently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the first thing we hear Morgan Steele say is that if he had been on 
one of the 9-11 planes, he would have killed all the hijackers on the plane and stopped it. Uh, which is something, yes, which is something Mark Wahlberg has said. Mm-hmm. For real. Uh, we also meet her son, uh, who is like a social media influencer type. Like we see him streaming from the house. Um, his name is Bert, which his full name is Bertrude. That's a good gag. Uh, because he's named after his grandmother, just like Trudy. Her full name is Gertrude because she's named after her grandmother. Uh, but, but yeah, there's a whole bit about how Linda's like, Bertrude's not even a real name. You named your son Bertrude. And Alva's like, well, not all of us could have daughters. Yeah, and Bert is is like, like, that. it's not my fault he wasn't a girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Bertrude is very funny. Like, I find it very funny to give to to what what do you i don't even know how to say it to give names the wrong like pretend they are a diminutive of the wrong name yeah yeah like a nickname that is lengthened into what is not the typical full name yeah, like uh like yeah. I have referred to uh our buddy uh Annie Creighton as Anstons. Yeah. Like if like if my full name was Madison. Yeah. I actually <laughs> did uh another Matt that I knew was a Mattison. Ah, I see. I see. Yeah. That was like for reals. But yeah, uh Bert for Bertrude is that's a pretty good that's a pretty solid joke, actually. Another solid joke that is right here at the beginning of the movie is there's just a quick bit of Alva and Morgan Steele on the couch together while Bert is like streaming and they're like kissing. And there's one part where Jason and Linda are kind of joking around and they're saying like, well, Morgan Steele's not that bad of an actor. He, he can pretend to like my sister. And that's when Alva says, that's right, kiss me. Kiss me in front of my son. That is my favorite line in the whole movie. <laughs> oh, it's pretty good. I know Edie Patterson improvised that. Fully ad Fully ad It's so funny. No <laughs> pretty quickly, we meet Gertrude, the matriarch of the family. She is a hard-nosed businesswoman. The first time we meet her... She's on the phone yelling at somebody at, about some kind of business deal. She, you keep thinking she's walking into the room, but then she'll like walk out and walk around some more. Then she'll finally come back. She finally comes back when uh, her call is over, and everybody's afraid of her. She is so cartoonishly a business person. Yes, that it's amazing that they didn't just have her saying "buy, sell." That's true. That's true. Um, so there's a little bit more family stuff. Eventually, Santa arrives at the Lightstone family mansion and starts delivering presents. Just as that's happening, a group of terrorists, led by John Leguizamo, shows up at the compound, kills Al, 
and every other security person that the Lightstone family has comes into the house, takes everybody hostage, and announces that they're going to steal $300 million that they know is in the safe uh, in the base, in the house's basement. In the vault, yeah. In the vault, yeah. Um, the, I haven't watched them back-to-back, but I do feel like I have watched Die Hard enough to uh-huh. call scenes from to memory. Uh, and there is no way that John Leguizamo's like, entrance into the house is not like a shot-for-shot uh, version of Alan Rickman entering in in Die Hard. It's pretty close, yeah. Just it's like pretty the, close. the way that he comes through the doors into the room, yeah. One bit that is not from Die Hard, but is a funny gag, is that every member of the terrorist group, which one of them was like already in the house before the rest of the terrorists got there. He was there like working as a caterer. Yeah, so a couple of them are in like holiday attire, which is very yeah. fun. But they all have holiday themed code names because John Leguizamo insists on it. So he's Mr. Scrooge. The rest are Candy Cane, Frosty, Tinsel, Jingle, Peppermint, Sugar Plub, Gingerbread, and Krampus. Krampus is the one who is a little nutty. Yeah. And Candy Cane, as you might imagine, is the sexy lady. Yes, yes. She gives off a, a an MMA fighter kind of t- vibe. I'll tell um, I'll tell you what she what she gives off, and that is uh, the vibe of characters that I'm a little bit into. <laughs> Honestly, she's a Gita Carano type. She she's she's a the Baroness type. Yes, yes, but. Uh, if She's Gina just a little Car- bit, a lot of bit mean. If Gina Carano had not done what Gina Carano did to not uh-huh. get in movies that aren't made by Tucker Carlson anymore, uh huh, she would have played this role, hands down. Anyway, uh, so Santa's just trying to deliver the presents, right? He's just trying to deliver the presents and get out of there. But when some gunshots go off in the living room where everybody is gathered, because at one point John Leguizamo just like shoots some shots off. Yeah, you know, like in Die Hard. Yeah. The reindeer on top of the house leave. Up on the house top, Matt, please. Uh, Okay. Click, click, click. They leave. They get spooked by the gunshot and they peace out. And Santa is infuriated by this, that they left him here. Yeah. Because uh, we should point out, uh, Santa does have Christmas magic powers. Uh, he can put a finger aside his nose and go up chimneys. And he, turn he, turns, like, he turns into like... Sparkling Christmas magic dust. Yeah, dust, I guess is what you would call it. Yeah, and, and like glitter and goes up the chimney. but like. He can't fly, uh, so he he needs he needs those reindeer to to fly. You know, like Santa. You you know Santa. Yeah. Oh, also, I I just wrote this down as a note. 
I think it's before he shoots off the gunshots. There's one moment where John Leguizamo just straight up punches Beverly D'Angelo in the face. Yes. Where it's like, oh, he's a bad guy. Yeah, because she is like, she's like a tough badass. This is yeah. when we find out that like her family has their shady kill squad. Because he's like, you know, talking about them and he's like, yeah, I did my research on you. And she's like, well, if you did your research, you'll know that my brother got kidnapped in the 70s. And we have our own team of recovery specialists that we call the kill squad. And those kidnappers were never found. So, you know, they don't they don't negotiate with terrorists. That story is interesting, though. It, it raises a couple of questions. One. Where's her brother? He's not here. That's true. He's not. Two, what generation of business, of this business, are we on? Because clearly, if her brother was kidnapped in the 70s, that would have been when their parents were running this company. Mm -hmm. So there are some unanswered questions about the Lightstone well, family company. Could have been their grandparents. Could have been their grandparents. It was 50 years ago. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like, it, it, but it was not their generation. Correct. Like, this is, this is a company that has spanned multiple generations. And her brother is clearly out of the picture now. Yeah. So, who knows? Well, but he's, he doesn't appear in the film. He doesn't appear in the film. Yeah. And she's uh, running things. Correct. So, while Santa is up in a room on a, I think he's on the second floor of the house. Uh, he is runs into. There is an encounter with one of the the terrorists, specifically Tensel, and Tensel sees him trying to. He's trying to hide behind a Christmas tree. Pretty funny. Because, <laughs> like, through a, a good chunk of this, Santa just doesn't want to be involved. He just wants to get out of here, right? He he specifically says at a later point in the movie, he's like, I don't get involved. I just deliver the toys. Yes. Which, the the one failing of this movie, I think, that that bothered me more than anything else, is that it's very unclear, not just on like what Santa's origin is, because we get like kind of an origin, but there's nothing between him not being Santa Claus and then being Santa Claus. And at one point, like the the terrorists ask him how his bag works because it's just you reach into it and you pull out a present, and he's like, I don't know, it's Christmas magic. <laughs> And that that is, I felt the the frustration that Matt Fraction had with me uh, last <laughs> year on our well, Christmas special. Well, okay, let's get into this now. Okay, let's just get into this now instead of when it comes in the movie, because this Santa Claus has not always been Santa Claus. No, he used to just be a man, but he was not Saint Nicholas. He wasn't St. Nicholas. He says that his name was Nicomund, and he, he was, was a Viking. A Viking warrior. And he was what, like, well, Matt, you can't call him, you call him the Viking experience. <laughs> he was a Viking experience. He was a Viking experience. And, Chris, I'm in the middle right now of playing God of War Ragnarok. 
Uh huh. And I swear that if the Thor in that video game had a white beard and white hair, he would look like this Santa Claus in this movie. <laughs> Down to the tattoos. I I was gonna say that I I kind of hope that those games end with like since those games are all about Kratos learning to love his boy. Uh huh. That Kratos should become Santa Claus. That's true. He's already got the beard. Kratos Kringle. <laughs> well, this Santa Claus resembles the Thor from that game because he's covered in tattoos. He was a Viking warrior, and his weapon of choice when he was a Viking is a hammer called yes. Skull Crusher. Yes. Like a sledgehammer. And the movie does not get into detail about how he ends up as Santa Claus. No, there's nothing between that and him being Santa. And it's, it's like, and again, I don't necessarily need an origin for Santa Claus. Yeah. Because, you know, you don't have to have an origin for Santa Claus. But if you're going to give me 23% of an origin for Santa Claus, I'm going to need the rest of it. Because at... at it's so vague that for a lot of this movie, I thought Mrs. Claus was dead. And that was going to be the reveal of like why he's so sad this year. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's not, actually. No, Mrs. Claus is, is alive and around. Yeah, she Claus just doesn't appear. Just at home. She just doesn't appear in the film. Yeah. it remi- It's a lot like the Christmas Chronicles, the Kurt mm-hmm. Russell movie, where Mrs. Claus is talked about in the first movie but doesn't appear. And then she's in the second movie. Yeah. I assume that's what's going to happen here. I believe she has a cameo at the end of the first one because it's uh, Kurt Russell's real life uh, lady friend. That's right, yeah. Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Apologies to Daryl Hannah and Goldie Hawn. <laughs> um, it is sort of implied. So at one point, Santa says that he's eleven hundred years old. Mm-hmm. So it is sort of implied. That he took over as Santa from someone, possibly the original St. Nicholas. Well, I mean, kinda. But also, it's not like Santa Claus as we know him didn't really exist in, like, you know, 500 CE. Right, yeah. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't like St. Nicholas, the Bishop of Myra, uh, was like, yeah, and I wear a red suit, and I bring you gifts on Christmas Day. (laughs) I'm sort of wondering now if I would like the sequel to get more into how he went from being a Viking to Santa Claus, or whether I just would prefer that question to never be answered. Because I I don't know how satisfying that answer is going to (laughs) be. I don't need it, but I need either more of it or less of it than they give us here. That's good point. That's a good nothing point. between. There's nothing between. I was a Viking and I fucking loved killing people. Because he fucking loves killing people. It, it, yes, and and at one point when he's talking to Trudy, he talks about how he used to be a really bad guy who did really bad things. Yeah, and and killed a lot of people. Uh, 
So like, I mean, I kind of want it to. I kind of want him to have like the Saint Christopher origin, where he just finds Jesus. <laughs> like that would be a wild swing for this movie, wouldn't it? It really would. It really would. I heard about Jesus? I decided to stop killing people and be nice to kids. Uh, t- sometimes it works. He he runs into Tinsel in this upstairs room that happens to have um, a chimney in it. But he and he and Tinsel get into a fight. They fight each other for a while. There's like stuff involving strings of Christmas lights. It's a pretty it's a pretty fun, pretty good fight. Um, it ultimately results in Tinsel getting knocked out of a window and landing on an icicle, like being impaled on an icicle, like a decoration icicle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is also, I think, where the gag is, where he's like pulling stuff out of his out of his Santa sack uh-huh. to f- try to find a weapon to fight with. Yes. So he's like he goes like video game, video game, video game, die hard on Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and finally like he finally does pull something out to kind of use as a weapon, but it's like it's not great. I forget what it what it even was. It's it's like a it's I, I'm not sure what it was, but it was like a long thin stick. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if some it's like, you know, meant to be like a pool cue or a fishing rod or a uh like a something along those lines, but I think that's you know. Yeah. So so ultimately Santa knocks Tinsel out of a window. Tinsel is impaled on a on a icicle, a fake icicle. And uh the other terrorists find Tinsel's body, obviously, and they're like, all right, somebody's somebody's still alive. Somebody on the security team is still alive. Look for him. Find this guy. Santa goes up the chimney to the roof, sees that the reindeer have gone, freaks out. Eventually he ends up in the basement of this house. I don't even remember how he gets down there. I think he like falls off the roof and goes down and like comes in through through the basement. And the way you know this movie is operating on a budget, Chris, I think, is this is supposed to be a mansion of the richest family, one of the richest families in the world. Mm-hmm. Their basement is like the basement you go to of a friend's house at a sleepover where they have like a little more money than you <laughs> where they have a, a dartboard and a, and a pinball machine. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's a nice basement, but it is not what you would think would be the basement of one of the richest families on earth. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I mean, they, they do also have like a vault with three hundred million dollars in it down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certain parts of the house, like the house set, look like that it would be like what a really rich family would have. Like the living room set is quite nice. It's a nice house, but it's not Wayne Manor. <laughs> exactly. It's it's like a McMansion, honestly. Uh, but the basement in particular is like. Upper middle class at best. <laughs> anyway, um, down there in the basement, Santa gets into a fight with Frosty. Frosty's getting slammed into the pinball machine and and 
all of that stuff. Santa tries to use the gun, but he doesn't really know how guns work, which is fun. Like that, like that's a good bit because why would he? He's been he Santa. Even, he doesn't even know what a gun is. Like at one point later in the movie, he's like holding like an M sixteen, and he he just is talking to like one of the other people around. And he's like, "Does anybody know how to work one of these gizmos?" <laughs> Yeah, so it's pretty good. A thing that I like about this, and I I, I want to talk about it with regards to a, a later scene as well, so I'll just lump that in here. There's a nice running gag that, you, you know, like, what if Die Hard was a Christmas movie is, I think, a very good way to sum this up. Because if you're going to do this, you have to commit to that premise really hard. Because if you don't commit to that premise as, like, to the extent, to to the fullest extent possible, it's not going to work. And I really do love the gag of Santa up to the point of, of him finding a hammer, after it establishes that that's his preferred weapon, of him kind of fighting exclusively with toys and Christmas decorations. Yes. Even... Yes. With the, like, uh, like even after he gets the hammer, there's a bit where he's, like, got a candy cane in his mouth that he's sucking into a sharp point so that he can stab people with it. Uh, which is, like, a pretty good gag. And the bit where that comes up here is with the dartboard. Uh, but the bit that comes after, Santa gets injured in this fight. And in a another one of those like direct, almost shot for shot recreations of a scene from Die Hard, <laughs> we see him like he stitches up his wound and then he puts instead of a bandage, he puts wrapping paper on it and uh-huh. then like wraps a ribbon around his body to tie it in place. Yes. Which is it's, a pretty funny bit. He fully does one of those action movie scenes where he like stitches up his own wound. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in the basement, he, he kills Frosty and takes his walkie-talkie. And I forget how Trudy got a walkie-talkie, but... She gets it from her dad. Early on in the film, uh, he's like, hey, I've got something for you. And he gives her a walkie-talkie and he says, I had this when I was a kid. It's a walkie-talkie with a direct line to Santa Claus. And... He might be too busy to respond tonight, but anything you say into that, he'll hear you. At one point, while they're all being held hostage, she pulls out the walkie-talkie, which she's listening to on headphones. And she starts talking into it and saying, Santa, Santa, are you there? So Santa takes the walkie-talkie of the, the guy he killed, Frosty, and he... Uh, is at first hearing the terrorists on their channel and they're talking about how like, Hey, did you see some guy dressed as Santa? Who's this guy going around as Santa? Find him. And then he, he changes the channel and there's Trudy saying, Hey Santa, are you there? Yeah. I mean, the actual reason that she has the walkie talkie is cause you know, it's like in Die Hard. It's like in Die Hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's the story reason. And she tells him who she is, that she's one of the hostages. He says, well, I'm Santa, and I'm going to help you and your family. 
And he quickly looks her up on the naughty and nice list. And she's on the nice list. Another another kind of recurring bit that I really like, because he pulls it out and it's this like scroll of parchment, and when he looks at it, uh it shows him like I guess it's like whoever he's thinking about or talking about. Uh he, he pulls out the list and it's got her name and then all the reasons that she's nice. Mm-hmm. Like all the things she did to get on the nice list. And in her case, it's uh one of them is uh invited a weird kid to a party i i wrote that one down too <laughs> which i thought was really like because it, it's really like it's it's a bunch of genuinely sweet stuff yeah. uh it's hang on i've got it i actually just pulled it up uh tree license kept room clean listens to parents kind to animals invited weird kid to party sweet to everyone <laughs> yes all good things and all then reasons, the other thing nice list. The, the other uh, bit the, the other way that this comes up is she asks him like how many people there are, you know, like in Die Hard, and uh, she tells him, and he pulls it out, and he sees all the terrorist names, or all the, well, they're they're not terrorists, they're robbers, uh, and they're all on the naughty list, which is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, Trudy says, "Well, you're going to beat them all up, right, Santa? You're going to take." All your your sack of toys, you're gonna shove it up their ass. And Santa says, Whoa now, let's keep you on the night on the nice list. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I just really like that. And she goes, what about butthole? <laughs> and he goes, like, oh, that's still pretty bad. That's still not great. And she goes, anus? And he's like, Okay, anus is the anatomical term, I guess. <laughs> yeah. He gives her that one on a technicality, which is a very that's a very funny Santa Claus bit. Uh, eventually, uh, Santa and Trudy are, well, Santa and Trudy are talking again later after he's sewn up his wound and he tells her his whole backstory about having been a Viking and she has made her way up to the attic. She has been able to like get away and run up to the house's attic and she says that she's going to set up traps like in Home Alone. And Santa is like, I don't know what that is, but go for it. <laughs> yeah. He's never so seen again, it. You could like the movie's not sh- like it's not it's not trying to be cute about letting you know what it's doing. Which yeah. I appreciate. Which makes what it does work better. Because the way the home alone uh bit plays out is actually genuinely great yes and and we'll get to it when we get to it. but it, yes there's a whole sequence that is a clear home alone homage slash parody that's pretty fantastic oh by the way th- the reason trudy is in the attic is because at one point she keeps talking into the walkie-talkie and uh like one of the robbers is like what is she doing what is she, who is she talking to and she's like, I'm trying to talk to Santa on my on my walkie-talkie. And her dad eventually is just like, there is no Santa. I was lying to you. I, I was telling you that to be nice to you. Like, you got to stay quiet for these, for these men. 
Yeah. And she gets- the, the bad guys make him tell her there's no Santa, which yeah. is the worst thing they do in this movie. Yeah. So that's when she I runs mean, away. And dudes are real pieces of shit. They're, they're, they're bad. I believe that is Krampus that makes him do that. Krampus, who also has my favorite line in the movie. That's when she runs up into the attic. Santa, who is wounded, ends up getting captured by Mr. Scrooge. By John Leguizamo. Yeah, because first they have they have the the diehard bit where Mister Scrooge fully just goes like d- does the line from uh, Die Hard where he goes off you know awfully clever for a security guard. Uh, he says, um, "All right, who the hell are you really, huh? Security guard who's watched too many action flicks," which is like. Not exactly word for word the Hans Gruber line, but very close. Yeah. Because uh, he asked John McClane if he's an American who saw too many movies. Uh, so Santa gets captured. He he says over and over again, I'm the real Santa Claus. I know who – I." and he, he like says all of the people in the room's real names. Like he says Mr. Scrooge's real name, uh, which is Jimmy, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, and, and he also do, he also does the bit from from the Santa Claus, where he says his names in all the countries. Oh right, yes, he does. He does. Yeah. Um, but um, it's not just Mister Scrooge who's in the room. Uh, Candy Cane is in there also, and I think the other one that's in there is Gingerbread. Yeah, and he and and he. He's talking to Candy Cane, and he's like, he's like, oh, well, he talks to Gingerbread first, and he's like, didn't I get you that Huffy back in 1982? <laughs> like, yeah. come on, man. Yeah. And then uh, after uh, Candy Cane is uh, mean to him, he's like, he's like, yeah, well, you made your brother eat worms, and that's why you didn't get anything. <laughs> <laughs> Gingerbread is like, shit, this is the real Santa Claus. He knows stuff about us and scrooge is like he's just guessing these are just guesses of obvious things and he's like you know what i'm done with this guy and he takes santa's sack of toys and he throws it in the fire and santa flips out about this he's like no that's millions of children's dreams in there and like that's the first moment where you know that Santa actually like really does like kids and like yeah. delivering presents, um, because he's so upset that his sack got burned. Um, but anyway, there's a there's a a fight that breaks out, and Santa is eventually able to escape up the chimney, and Scrooge is still trying to like explain this away. He's like, he must have had a pulley system or something. <laughs> so just then as Santa's on the roof the kill squad the mercenary kill squad arrives the lightstone family kill squad and they are they are a bunch of hard asses there's a scene where uh the commander his name's commander thorpe uh i think he says he's like uh I want this mission to go like I ha- like how I like to fuck, fast and efficient. 
So that's what kind of guys these are. So they make their way to the house. When they arrive, just then, Morgan Steele has managed to jump out of a window and escape the house. Uh, like he's fought off some of the robbers and, and jumped out of a window. He fights he, off some of the robbers and then immediately leaves and leaves his family behind. Yeah, I mean, Alva says like, oh, he, he's going to go get us help. And Gertrude is like, no, 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 he's he's abandoning us. <laughs> uh, but it, it doesn't matter because he goes out and he finds the the death squad and he starts to tell them what's going on and they immediately shoot him. And then we discover that the mercenary team has teamed up, joined forces with Mr. Scrooge and his gang because they're all going to steal the money together. Twist. The problem is when they go down to open the vault. Because they do not they do not play Ode to Joy when they open the vault in a staggering moment of restraint. Yes, yes. Uh they do not open the vault. Or they do open the vault. I guess they needed the mercenary team to help them open the vault to to, to give them one last thing they needed to get it open. I don't really know. But. I think that I think they needed something from uh Gertrude and when she realizes that uh the the kill squad is not there to save her. I think she's finally like, fuck it. Let's let's open it up. Yeah, well, th- there's the whole thing about how Mr. Scrooge knows everything. Like, very early on, he's like, I know about your kill squad. I know about your $300 million in cash in your vault. I know how to open your vault. I Like, everything you think I don't know, I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, eventually, when they do get the vault open... Uh, it it opens up, and there are these empty rolling cases that once had all the money in them. There's like a few scant little bills on the floor, but otherwise the money is gone. Second twist. Second twist. The money is just not in the vault at all. And Scrooge loses it over this. And he goes back upstairs and he's like, okay, the only people who would know that this money was even here are in this room right now. So one of you has that money and you're going to tell me where it is. Or we're just going to start shooting people. And at that point, Bert makes the best point he's made in the entire movie, which is you might shoot the person who knows where the money is. Yeah. Bert is like, Bert sucks, but Bert is also great. Yeah. <laughs> like, like as a, as a person, Bert sucks, but is also great. Um, after a bit of a standoff, eventually Jason reveals he's the one who stole the money. Because he wanted to just take the money and get out of the family and never see them again. Yeah, he was going to steal this $350 million and then just drive off with his ex-wife and daughter. And Linda's like, I told you that my problem was that you cared too much about the money. 
Yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. So Jason not only says that he knows that he stole the money, but that he knows where it is. It's outside. So he starts leading John Leguizamo uh, to where the money is, which is the nativity scene outside, which is very funny. And as they're going there, Gertrude says, hey, that's what I would have done. I forgive you because this stealing shit from each other is what like members of this family do. <laughs> That's the Lightstone way. So, um, you're going to take over the company for me because, you know, it's exactly what I would have done. It's exactly what I did to my dad. Um, meanwhile, Santa is out in a shed thinking that this is over for him. Like he's, he's all bloodied up. He's hurt. He's talking into the, into the walkie talkie to Trudy and saying like, I don't know if I can keep going. I'm, I'm too hurt. And he starts thinking about Mrs. Claus. He's playing with his wedding ring and uh, the ring comes off and goes ting, 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 ting on the ground. And he's like, Oh shit. Fuck. And he's like chasing after the ring. She says, "Like, well, well, hey, what do you want for Christmas? Like, what's your wish?" Yeah. And he goes, "I just wish I could see Mrs. Claus just one more time," which is again what made me think she was dead. Because <laughs> he like is looking at his wedding ring, and then he it slips and drops, and in a another extremely funny moment of Christmas magic, the ring rolls uh, through this like you know it's it's like the garden shed, right? Yeah. Uh the ring rolls until it uh comes to a stop directly in front of a sledgehammer. Yes. And it is very much that scene in Berserk where he sees the dragon slayer for the first time. Absolutely. <laughs> Cuz at this point he has already told uh Trudy about the the, the you know 23% origin story that we got about how he was a Viking warrior with a Warhammer that he could, you know, he was like, yeah, I could just line up three men's heads and just take them all off in one shot. So, uh, he picks up the sledgehammer and proceeds to slice and dice and kill his way through the mercenary death squad. Like, like they show up in their body armor and helmets and with their, you know, M16 machine guns or semi-automatic rifles. And Santa just crushes them all with his sledgehammer and his sharpened candy cane and an ice skate and a wood chipper. And eventually he uses one of their own grenades against them. He puts it in the, in the dude's pants and then he runs and you think you're going to get a shot where he's like walking away from an explosion. And then in a, genuinely pretty charming moment he kind of just take to the camera and goes i gotta watch and then turns around yeah and this dude fully explodes and then he goes oh, holy shit which is also pretty funny yeah um while that's going on trudy has set up all the home alone traps and it's like every trap you remember from home alone yeah it's the nail on the stairs, it's the sticky stuff on the ground, it's the bowling balls, it's the hot uh, iron, 
it's uh, Christmas glass Christmas ornaments, and um, it's specifically candy cane and gingerbread who are taking all this Home Alone damage. But it is instead of being like Looney Tunes, instead of being cartoonish and bloodless, it is realistic and extremely bloody. Yeah, when- and they they walk up to where she's got these traps set up. And they look at them and go, she's trying to do like fucking home alone. <laughs> and and so it's like, they, they kind of like easily avoid the first couple. And then it just starts cascading through this kind of hilarious happenstance. And like, like it's, it's a really great version of home alone. Like it is not, it is parody that like you said, Matt, it requires your knowledge of home alone to be like, right, these are Looney Tunes traps. But then in the same way that like that one holiday episode of Sawbones where Sidney McElroy talks about what would actually happen uh, if, if these things happened, all of that happens. Yes. Uh, And my favorite is when she has like, she, she finds like the little box of exercise equipment. And so she's got like a resistance band set up the, uh, between two of the like pillars, the, the posts in the the attic that she has made like a slingshot with. And so she like shoots candy cane with a tennis ball and candy cane's like, is that all you got? And then she shoots her with another tennis ball. And she's like, come on kid. And then she shoots her with a fucking dumbbell. Yeah. that <laughs> just cracks into her face. Yeah. Um, candy cane also gets hit with multiple bowling balls and they're like bone crunching bowling ball hits and this is what kills gingerbread gingerbread doesn't even get into the attic fully he goes up the attic ladder he falls the bottom of his chin lands on a nail that's through one of the rungs the of nail the that's on the stairs that he would have stepped on yes goes through his chin and into his mouth yes then um there's like a bed of nails that he eventually like falls back into and he gets impaled on those. Yeah. And specifically it's like a bit like, that's the thing they see where they're like, fucking home alone shit. And it's like a welcome mat that has uh, like a bunch of nails through it. And when he falls on it, he specifically and very like on purpose, uh, filmmaker wise, like lands on his ass. And so like, he's, you know, very comedy, gag of a guy sitting on a bed of nails except that it is portrayed very realistically <laughs> yes which yes. makes it even funnier he he is he is fully impaled on yes. these nails and and uh candy which cane would not kill you but would hurt so bad yeah uh candy cane takes a lot of abuse and damage but does not die Ultimately, uh, she just gets beat up really, really bad by bowling ball, bowling balls and stepping on glass ornaments. And yeah, she gets uh, stuck to the floor and has to take her shoes off like Marv yeah. in, in Home Alone. But then she falls back into the sticky stuff. And when she pulls herself up, it like rips her hair out and her scalp it, off. It rips like part of the back of her scalp off. Yeah. yeah. So it's again, it is like. It is the ultra realistic. Ver- it's it's what I wanted from the Purge. I, <laughs> I wanted that Purge sequel where it's like, what if you tried to purge Kevin McAllister's house? 
so Mr. Scrooge gets led out to the nativity scene and bursts busted open, and lo and behold, the money is in there. And he starts grabbing cash and putting it in a bag. And he also orders Krampus, who is still inside the house, to kill everybody else who's still inside the house, which is Linda, Alva, Bert, and I feel like there was one other person. But maybe, no, but I guess it was just those three. Yeah, Um, uh, because Mark Wahlberg's died. Right. Uh, this is when Krampus says my favorite line in the movie, which is he just turns around and goes, time for a murder. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, he's evil. Yeah. So the three remaining hostages all uh, like say, like, kill them, for, kill her first, kill him first, kill them first. Um, until finally, like, Krampus just kind of like loses it. And he's like, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. Um, and that's when Linda, Alva, and Bert all pick up fireplace pokers and just beat the living shit out of him. Yeah. He gets got. Yeah. Well, at first they're like, ah, oh, he's dead. Whew. That's okay. But then he gets up. <laughs> so they have to beat him some more. <laughs> um, that's when Santa and Trudy arrive in the room Trudy and her mom are reunited. That's when Santa's like, does anybody know how to work one of these gizmos holding a submachine gun? And he tosses it off to Linda. Also, Scrooge and Thorpe leave with Gertrude with and the money. But Jason is still out there, and he's about to be killed by, I think, one of the mercenaries. And so... Linda shows up and shoots him. And there's this moment where Linda and Jason are reunited after she's just killed a guy and they like smile each at each other. And like, they've kind of found their spark again. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Santa chases after Scrooge and Thorpe uh, who, who are taking the money. He, he, manages to do like a jump move onto a snowmobile. He make first he makes a makeshift sled. He sleds down a hill, up over a ramp, and like kicks a mercenary off of a snowmobile and then gets on a snowmobile and then and now he's chasing him. And uh eventually Scrooge and Santa are in this like burned out, hollowed out old cabin. And they're fighting. And Scrooge is like, you are the real Santa. Shit. I, he finds the naughty list. And he goes, you are the real Santa. And he, he yeah. finds that he's on it. Yeah. And, and uh, one of the things, did you write down anything that's on his naughty list? No, I didn't. Uh, it's, like, like, it's like murders. It's just murders like, on there, but also broke his mother's heart <laughs> on there, which is very good. Uh, but he basically tells Santa, like, I hate this holiday. I've always hated this holiday. Like, it's been ruined for me since I was a little kid. And so if I kill you, no more Christmas. So get ready to die. He, uh, he says, uh, his whole thing is, his origin story is that he, like, 
grew up poor because his dad lost his job. Yeah. And so they had a bad Christmas, but his neighbors had still had their job. So he went over to steal presents and their father like surprised him and di- like he died. He fell down the stairs and it is. Oh no, no, no. It was, it was his grandfather. It was his grandfather. He, he had gotten up. I remember the story now. Scrooge, Jimmy had gotten up to steal everybody else's presents. Cause he was like, fuck it. Which which makes me think that his original code name was the Grinch. Before it's possible. they realized that that is that is trademarked. Yeah, that's possible. Um, so I would bet money on that. Yeah, so he's like, I was, I'm going to steal everybody's presents. But his grandfather gets up to take a piss, and they run into each other and they scare each other, and his grandfather falls down the stairs, breaks his neck, and dies. But everybody blames him for it. They think he pushed his grandfather down the stairs. And so from that point on, he was, he just leaned into it. Yeah. Uh, so he says, he says, tonight, Christmas is over. Or, or tonight, it's the end of Christmas. And Santa goes, not if you still believe. <laughs> <laughs> So they fight for a while. They have a pretty like drag out fight, which ends with Santa picking up Scrooge. They there's a a, like a it's a it's like a burned out cabin, and one of the only remaining parts of it is a stone chimney. Screw. They end up next to the chimney. Santa picks up Scrooge, touches the side of his nose. They both go up the chimney together. And Santa turns into like Christmas dust and magic, but Scrooge, uh, but Scrooge does not. Yeah, so he is mangled and crushed inside this chimney. He's he when he comes out, it is a shower of blood and a limbless, headless torso. Yep. And Matt, I gotta ask you, I, as you know, I listen to your other podcast, mm-hmm. uh, Friends Till the End, where you and Benita Serino and Erica Henderson uh, watch uh, the. Uh, USA Sci-Fi Network television show Chucky. Yep. And you, I don't know if you've done like a formal ranking, but you do always talk about like, you know, what is the, you know, what what are the best kills of the of the episode? What are the best kills of the season? Yeah. What are the best kills of of each of the Chucky movies that you've done? Where does this rank for you on on kills? I mean, it's the best of this movie. Easily. It's honestly one of the best kills, certainly in a Christmas movie. <laughs> certainly in a Christmas movie. But um, like, in turn, like, it is, it's so Chekhov's gun mathematically set up. Oh, yeah. It's like, like I, I, it's a hoot. I rewound it, it and watched it again. It's also like a, compl- a take on that ever present question of like how does santa get up and down the chimney he wouldn't fit he'd get crushed in there well it's like santa can do it but if it's anybody else they're not making it yeah which is also like this and the story about the grandpa are the are the gremlins homage yes yes uh oh i for, i forgot the way that uh that Scrooge goads Santa into the fight is the simplest ruse I've ever seen. 
in anything because Santa is like coming at him with a snowmobile in a snowmobile. And it's like, he's just going to run him over and Scrooge is standing in front of a stump and he just moves aside and Santa runs the snowmobile straight into the stump. And that's how their fight starts. Yeah, and that is the homage to Jackie Chan's first strike, which is not a, a Christmas movie per se, mm. but is a snowy movie in parts. That's true. Um, as soon as Santa comes through the chimney with the crushed torso of Scrooge. A mangled torso of John Leguizamo. He is shot three times by Commander Thorpe. Who's like, man, I don't even know who the fuck you are. But like, I'm getting out of here with this money. And if I got to take you down, all the better. So he's about to... If I just saw a dude do Christmas magic, I would probably not shoot him. (laughs) Well, you're not Commander Thorpe. So Thorpe is about to shoot Santa dead when Gertrude shows up and shoots Commander Thorpe. And uh, that is it for all the bad guys. But Santa is on the verge of death. He is in a bad, bad way because he's been shot. So Jason, Linda, Trudy, Alva, Bert, and Gertrude are all there. And they're like – and Santa's like, this is the first time I've felt cold in hundreds of years. And they're like, we got to get him warm. We got to figure out a way to get him warm. And Jason is like, immediately just, I'm going to burn the money. So he takes some of the money out of one of the bags and starts throwing it into one of the little, like, small fires that are around everywhere uh, to try to help Santa warm up. And it kind of works, but it kind of doesn't. Alva is mad that Jason's burning this money. Yeah, but I mean, like, you know, it's $315 million, but this is, this is like literally liquid cash. So they've definitely got more. They've definitely got more. This is, this is maybe 50K that they're burning. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, uh, Trudy says, Santa, you can't die. I, I love you and I believe in you. And you helped me and my family. You got me what I wanted. My parents are back together. So please don't die. I believe in you. And that makes everybody else say that they believe in Santa, even Gertrude. Like everybody says Santa's real. They believe in him. Which and is a, a little bit of a miracle on 34th Street, a little bit of elf. Correct. D- yes, the 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 Santa meter from Elf fills back up. The Christmas spirit meter, I guess, fills back up. And Santa is magically healed from his wounds. He's not, like, in great shape, but he's not on the verge of death anymore. Uh, And as Santa, like, gets up and starts walking away, he sees that the reindeer have returned. He yells at them for a second about abandoning him and he's like rudolph wouldn't have done this but then he sees in the seat that they've come back with his backup sack 
And also a note from Mrs. Claus, like encouraging him. And also Skull Crusher. Yeah, a, a, a note that says, like, P.S., I thought you might need this too. Yeah. And he pulls it out, and uh, in a very funny moment, uh, <laughs> Trudy goes, Skull Crusher! <laughs> <laughs> she identifies it on site. Yeah. It's a good bit. Uh, and then... With, with childlike wonder in her heart. That's right. He He bids the family farewell, he gets in the sleigh... And flies off and says, ho, 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 Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. And it's like, you know, classic Santa as he goes off to finish his deliveries. Then there's a mid credit scene where Bert is doing a vlog with a dead mercenary body. Which would absolutely get him banned from any social media site. It's, But it's very funny. It is very funny. It's him like... Doing a selfie with this body on the ground, and he's like, "Yo, what's up, fam? It's Bert. Uh, see this dude? He's dead. He's dead as hell. Santa's real, y'all. Be better." <laughs> and that like got a genuine laugh out of me. I'm just saying, fucking Logan Paul went to the Japanese death forest, and he didn't get banned from everything, but he almost did. Bert would absolutely uh, get banned. He got he got to be in the Royal Rumble, Matt. Disgusting. Yeah. Agreed. All right, Chris, what are our high points for Violent Night? Uh, that it does, like, biggest high point, it commits to its bit in a way that movies like this don't always do. Like, it commits to the bit of Every like all of the fights are going to be Christmassy in some way. All of the action set pieces. We're gonna have people choking each other with tree lights and using uh using uh candy canes to stab people. Like it fully commits to it, and it commits to it in a way that doesn't just like wink at the audience, but like says to the audience, yeah, it's like home alone. We're gonna do a bit like home alone. We're gonna do a you know that's the only movie that I think gets name checked, but the rest, like, yeah, we're gonna do a miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Yeah, we're gonna do, we're gonna do it all. D- Die Hard also gets name checked. D- Die Hard does get me- like mentioned and heavily referenced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I-, I liked that about it. I liked the cast. It top to bottom. The the people I I was familiar with and the people I wasn't familiar with. Just about everybody in this movie does a great job of of portraying their character. In particular, David Harbour is great as Santa. This is everything I wanted his Hellboy to be. Yes. And he didn't quite get to do it in his Hellboy movie. But he got to be that here. It's it's he's so good in this movie. It's He's perfectly cast, and it it all works. Uh, but the rest of the cast is also really good. I also think, aside from a few things with sets looking a little cheap at times, I think the movie does so much good with its budget. The fight scenes look great. Yeah. 
they're really well choreographed and like it looks like people are really getting hurt and all of the action looks really good and like when santa turns into glitter and uh for like blunt force dismembers uh john leguizamo's torso um like it's obviously cgi (laughs) but you know like it yeah like yeah <laughs> that that's going to happen. All yeah. all the action stuff like looks good. Oh, also special shout out to John Leguizamo who is a great bad guy in this movie. He's fantastic. Yeah. I I was delighted when he showed up and then for him to be the Hans Gruber of this movie. Absolutely. Thank you. What do we have for low points, Chris? They they could have done a better job making things a little more clear about Santa, both in terms of like character. Like I talked about how I was initially a little put off by, you know, drunk, grumpy Santa. Uh, even though I think his, his interactions with Trudy, like were genuinely really good. Uh, they could have made that more clear. They could have made anything about why he is Santa now a little more clear. I don't need, I don't need everything. I don't need to know how the bag works. If he just goes, yeah, it's Christmas magic. I don't know how it works. Then that's fine. But like, well, why did you decide to start giving presents after being a murder Viking a thousand years ago? Like, I do need to know that if you're going to introduce it. Yeah. Uh, And again, that 30 seconds of screen time, you can do that. You know? Yeah. That just felt like they they had Santa Claus used to be a Viking murderer and nothing else. And that's that's fine, but like that you should probably know that. You should probably know where that's going if you're gonna do this movie. My number one low point of this movie is the title. I feel like the title Violent Night makes this sound like a horror movie instead of a sort of lighthearted fun action movie. And I think the marketing of the movie did the same thing. This is not the movie I expected this movie to be. It's way more fun than the movie, the marketing and the title led me to believe. Uh, and I, I- I do not think it was serviced by its title or its marketing. I I think that's fair, especially when you put it like that. My initial thought when you said it was, Matt, it is wild that you don't think this movie is violent enough to warrant the title. I, I don't. It's not that I think the title doesn't <laughs> fit. I think the title fits fine. But I feel like it's the title you would expect from a horror movie rather than a fun action movie. You know? Like... I want to call this movie Punch Santa, you know? Like, you think the title came first? No, I think this was probably a title that got workshopped to death. I don't know what the original title of the screenplay was, but I bet it wasn't this. I bet it was something else. I mean, look, if 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 Kyle Starks had made this movie, it would have been called Punch Santa. Punch Santa. Like it, Punch Santa is is what I think of this movie as. 
mean, like it it's I I think you were also right that the movie is a little bit all over the place with its tone at times. I think once it gets into like the second act, the tone is pretty consistently the same. Yeah. But in the first act, it's hard to quite get a grip on what the tone of this movie is going to be. The the, the weakest part of the movie is like the first half hour. Absolutely. Absolutely. Once yeah. the like the fighting starts, once all the players are in place, it's it's a real hoot, and I think it really maintains its tone and is very fun. Uh, but Matt, I I don't often disagree with you. The movie is very violent and takes place entirely at night. <laughs> I don't know, like marketing. Sure, the title I think can stay. I I again, I don't think the title is inaccurate. I just don't think it gives the right impression of what. Of of the t- of the tone of the film, um, I I I don't know what would be a a catchier, more marketable title, but this title I feel like just doesn't quite hit the mark. All right, Chris, what are our final thoughts about Violent Night? A, a few quibbles with its characterization of Santa Claus, which is weirdly. Ultimately, way better than Santa Claus the movie, or the <laughs> Santa Claus. True, true on both counts. Like you know how we always make the joke about how the Santa Claus, like one of the reasons it sucks is because it's a movie for children about fucking contract law, right? And children don't give a shit about contract law. I'll tell you what, children give a shit about asses getting kicked. <laughs> this is a this is a better movie for children than than. The Santa Claus, but no, I I can I can absolutely see myself watching this movie multiple times, which is a true rarity for movie fighters. Yeah, I I would watch it tomorrow with AC. Yeah, I would. I, this is a movie I would put on during holiday times and watch and have fun. Yeah, you know, like it it delivers on the promise of Die Hard with Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. It really effectively pulls off that idea. Yeah, w- without totally being a ripoff, it's its own thing. But it is also a diehard with Santa Claus, without a doubt. It is. It is so open and kind of bare about its influences and like what it's doing in the Christmas movie genre that it it isn't just a parody of Die Hard. Yeah. It by, by acknowledging that it is a parody of Die Hard, it is better than just a parody of Die Hard. Which is fun. I would like to know what they have in store for the sequel. I I am there is like a 90% chance that sequel will be absolute trash. I I agree. I agree because if I were presented with, Hey, write the screenplay for a sequel to violent night. I don't know what I would do. Like, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to do too much lore 
I don't know if I would want to do Die Hard Two. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I would. I would. I would literally. I would do what we did on War Rocket Ajax, and I would reveal that that that, that Nikomund killed Santa Claus and became Santa Claus. And now, the, now it's like it operates on Santa Claus rules, and now they're out to get him. Somebody yeah, I mean, be Santa Claus. I, that's that's what I would do. The, I think the easiest call is Santa gets attacked at the North Pole. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Because then you have what are this movie's elves? What are this movie's Mrs. What's this movie's Mrs. Claus? Yeah, uh, that could be really fun. Yeah, but again. 10% chance it will be good. Overwhelming probability that it's going to be absolute trash. I mean, bringing Harbor back, I think, raises that probability. Uh-huh. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, t- t- if they cast somebody great as Mrs. Claus, that who, helps. Who should they cast as Mrs. Claus? Who well, they if, they, if they wanted to be cute about it, it would be Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder would be a fucking phenomenal Mrs. Claus. She would, but I don't. I think that's too cute, probably. Yeah. Right. I kind of want Mrs. Claus to be tough, like because she's presumably a Viking too, right? Not necessarily. Get like Linda Hamilton. I was literally going to say Linda Hamilton. <laughs> 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 there you go that's it Sigourney Weaver Sigourney Weaver would be good yeah. oh that's good Matt that's a good that's a good pick that's a solid that's a solid poll buddy yeah well we had a blast we had a blast with the Violent Night yeah this is, it's a fun one uh, watch it it's it is a, it is a hoot Uh, we'll be back in February, and I guess we're watching the Super Mario Brothers movie. We're watching Super Mario Brothers the movie, and then we're watching the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yes, in uh, April. Uh, so it's all planned out. Uh, but we'll be back in January with a uh, snack situation. So come back for that. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Your support makes this show possible. Go to Patreon.com/slash Ajax to. Uh, help us out and help us keep doing movie fighters and snack situation as well as war rocket Ajax and all of its associated podcasts. Uh, you can email us at moviefighterscast at gmail.com with movie suggestions and more. Um, you can also get in touch with us on Tumblr, moviefighterscast.tumblr.com. Um, if you want to find me and my stuff, go to mattdwilson.net. You'll find links to everything I do there. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website, and it has links to all the stuff I do on the internet. Bye, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy New Year. We'll see you soon. Happy Holidays. (laughs) 